over a few weeks now, looking at chapter 15 of John's Gospel, we've been looking at, uh, let's see now, Jesus declaring himself to be the true vine. There are branches in the vine. Some are fit just to be thrown on the fire. They're dead branches, aren't they? But there are also living branches drawing on the sap from the main stem, drawing on the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And they bring forth not just a few leaves, not just a nice smell, not even some pretty flowers, but fruit and much fruit. Christians bringing forth fruit, much fruit. We've seen that in chapter 15 and we've seen Jesus talking quite a bit about love as well in chapter 15. Putting that aside for now and today we're going to have a look at God the Holy Spirit. We'll be looking at John chapter 16 but really I'm just going to focus on The one, Jesus says that he's going to send the Comforter, the Holy Spirit. And all I want to do this morning really is to look at who the Holy Spirit is for today. And then next week, we're going to take a little journey to um, the Apostle Paul's letter to the Galatians, God willing. And I want to bring these thoughts together from chapter 15, fruit, bringing forth Fruit, much fruit, love, and then our understanding of who the Holy Spirit is from today. Bring it all together as we visit Galatians next week. That's my plan anyway. And of course it all depends on whether it's God's plan. But for today we're going to look at Jesus sending the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 16, verses 1 through to 8, Jesus uh, declares that he will be sending the Comforter, the Holy Spirit. Sorrow filled the hearts of the disciples of Jesus because he would soon depart from them. He would soon return to heavenly glory after first laying down his life for their sins at the cross. And not just their sins, but the sins of all who trust in him. However, these verses, they tell us that upon his departure, he would send to them the Holy Spirit because there would be tough times ahead. Look at verse 2, for example, in John chapter 16. They shall put you out of the synagogues. Yea, the time cometh that whosoever killeth you will think that he doeth God's service. Prophetic words from Jesus there. Most of those apostles were martyred. And as I gave some statistics last week, I've forgotten them now, but a lot of people, even now, hundreds of people each month are not just being persecuted for Christ's sake, they're being martyred. Because of their faith in Jesus. And those who do these things, their mentality is so corrupted by sin 
that they believe that they are doing God a service. But of course, their God is the God of their imaginations, the God of their wicked hands, and ultimately, it's the devil. They are doing the lust of their father, the devil, who was a murderer from the beginning. These things are happening. As I said earlier, it's a terrible, wicked world that we live in. But Jesus has not left us alone. He sent the Comforter. First of all, I want to consider with you who the Holy Spirit is. The Jehovah's Witnesses, they describe the Holy Spirit as being a force from God. Sounds like a physics lesson, doesn't it? A force from God. In their literature, they say, and I'm quoting from their the, the literature of the Watchtower Society, the Holy Spirit is God's power in action, his active force. God sends out his spirit by projecting his energy to any place to accomplish his will. That sounds like something out of uh, uh, the Marvel comics uh, or something like that, doesn't it? Projecting his power, zap. Zap. As such, they regard the Holy Spirit as being inanimate or not alive. What does the Bible say? For one thing, the Holy Spirit can be made sorrowful. For example, in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 30, the Apostle Paul said, And do not grieve... The Holy Spirit of God. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Also the Holy Spirit speaks. For example in Acts chapter 21 and verse 11. A prophet by the name of Agabus. Took Paul's belt. And said. Thus says the Holy Spirit. So shall the Jews at Jerusalem Bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. A word of prophecy from um, from Agabus about Paul being taken and ultimately his journey to Rome and when he was delivered into the hands of the Gentiles. And then there was a time when the Apostle Peter was in a trance on a treetop and Acts chapter 10 verse 19 tells us that the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are seeking you. This is this, what do they, what do they call it before, the JWs? A force from God. Well, the Holy Spirit said to Peter, those words, Behold, three men are seeking you. And the Holy Spirit can be lied to. He can be lied to. Just have a look on... Well, keep your finger in John 16. Uh, to be quite honest with you, I'm only going to make a reference to that in a, in a while from now. Uh, as I say, really, I'll, the purpose of this morning's sermon is to um, bring to you the Holy Spirit. Who the Holy Spirit is. But anyway, turn to Acts chapter 5. This always brings back very fond memories for me, this what I'm going to show you now. Acts chapter 5, just after John's Gospel. Verse 
Okay, let's read verses 1 through to 4 here in Acts 5. But a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession and kept back part of the price, his wife also being privy to it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. There was some pretense going on here. These, this married couple, they brought an offering to the apostles here, but um, and they, they, they held back some of what they had. There's nothing in itself wrong with that. No requirement to give everything that you have to the church. But let's not pretend that you're giving everything when you're not. Cut the pretense out because that is deceptive. And they will be being deceptive and as such they were lying, as we shall see. They laid it at the apostles' feet, but Peter said, Ananias, why have Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost? Ananias is lying to the Holy Ghost here. And to keep back part of the price of the land, Peter knew it. Ananias had kept quiet about that, but Peter knew. Verse 4, whilst it remained, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not in thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. So the Holy Spirit was lied to in those according to Peter in those verses in Acts chapter 5. Therefore, the Holy Spirit can be grieved or made sorrowful. He can speak and he can be lied to. That really doesn't sound like an inanimate force to me. Again, he can be grieved, he can speak, he can be lied to. Work that one out for yourself. But way beyond that, the Bible clearly teaches in what I've just read there in Acts chapter 5, verses 1 to 4, that the Holy Spirit is God. Now, the reason I love this, those verses so much is it brings back memories for me, very fond memories to when I lived in India. And uh, an old mate of mine who I used to do open air evangelism with in London we used to go together in Covent Garden, in shopping streets, wherever, and preach the gospel. And that old man visited me all the way in India when I was out when I went to live in India and teach in India. And he came there, and uh, together we went out evangelising in the streets in Andhra Pradesh, in uh, in. In, in India, and we were invited into someone's home. And that someone was a Jehovah's Witness. Indian Jehovah's Witness. They're everywhere, the JWs, aren't they? And we were having a discussion, and it soon came down to who God is. And usually, the, when you speak to the Jehovah's Witnesses, it comes down to who Jesus is. We say that Jesus is God and they say, no, he's not God. Or their understanding of what it means to be God is very, very different to um, the Bible's understanding or what the Bible tells us about God. Various degrees of divinity with the Jehovah's Witnesses. 
Anyway, we were talking about the Holy Spirit. My friend Albert, me, the Jehovah's Witness, his wife, talking about the Holy Spirit. And Albert, my friend, turned them to Acts chapter 5. And let's have a look at that again. Maybe you picked up on it before. In verse 3, Peter accused Ananias of lying to the Holy Ghost. That's clear in verse 3. And then at the end of verse 4, Peter said, "You, Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. Verse 3, he lied to the Holy Ghost. Verse 4, he's lied to God. Albert showed that. And there wasn't anything that the Jehovah's Witness could say to that. He could have done. He could have been difficult there. But... Um, it silenced him, and that was a, a, a that was a time for me just listening to my friend Albert and learning from him. And we need to learn from each other, don't we, as Christians as well? And we need we need to know when to speak up and sometimes when to shut up and just let someone else get on with it. And, and um, that's why it's always good in evangelism to 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 go out with someone else. It's not for nothing that the Lord Jesus Christ sent his apostles and then other disciples out in twos. It makes perfect sense. Anyway, we see in Acts chapter 5 there, that's just one example that shows that the Holy Spirit is God. Concerning those verses in Acts chapter 5, the 19th century Bible scholar Joseph A. Alexander said, The use of the terms God and Holy Spirit in these two verses as convertible expressions, in other words, being used interchangeably there, has always and most justly been regarded as a strong proof, proof both of the personality and the divinity of the Spirit. Let's be very clear about something. When the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, sent the Holy Spirit into the world, he sent God, the Holy Spirit, into the world. The fact of the matter is that the one true God of the Bible reveals himself in three glorious divine persons. Father, Son and Holy Spirit. And we can see all three persons of the Godhead in various Bible verses. For example, I'm back in John now. Um, John chapter 15, verse 26. But when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, just in those words alone, you've got the Trinity, haven't you? The Comforter, which is the Holy Spirit. I, Jesus speaking of himself there, the Son of God, sent you from the Father, God the Father. So we've got the three of them there, just in those few words in John chapter 15, verse 26, the, the, the Holy Trinity. And similarly, in Jude chapter 20, this I can remember when I first became a Christian and I gate crashed a ladies meeting at my church. I was, I just couldn't stay away from church in those days. And the dear ladies there, they let me gate crashed their meeting and uh, they made excuses for me and they said well the, the, the speaker's a man so yeah I guess it's uh, we can let Glenn come in 
And uh, he looked at Jude chapter 20. There's only one, sorry, Jude verse 20. Jude verse 20 and verse 21. Look at that. But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keeping yourselves in the love of God, and looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. All three persons of the Trinity there. In the Holy Ghost in verse 20, the love of God, that's God the Father in verse 21, and also our Lord Jesus Christ in verse 21. The three of them together. And in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, where Jesus gave instructions for Christians to be baptised in the name of of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. And I would still maintain, as I've always maintained, that if only the Father was God, then why even mention Son and Holy Spirit alongside with that, what what certainly seems to me equality there. Baptise them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. All three persons of the Trinity are mentioned there. It's not for nothing that the 1689 Baptist Confession of Faith says, and I quote the the confession here, In this divine and infinite being, there are three subsistences, the Father, the Word, or Son, and Holy Spirit, of one substance, power, and eternity, each having the whole divine essence, yet the essence undivided. The Father is of none, neither begotten nor proceeding. The Son is eternally begotten of the Father, the Holy Spirit proceeding from the Father and the Son, all infinite without beginning, therefore but one God, who is not to be divided in nature and being, but distinguished by several peculiar relative properties and personal relations, which doctrine of the Trinity is the foundation of all our communion with God and comfortable dependence on him. So, we've looked or we've considered who the Holy Spirit is and now I want to consider with you that God the Holy Spirit comforts the redeemed. And now we can turn to John 16 and look at verse 7 there. Words of Jesus and he said in that verse, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is expedient for you that I go away, for if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. In verse 7 we can see something that characterised Jesus, a selfless love for his people. Jesus was talking about going away. But obviously something was going to happen first and something that Jesus knew only too well would happen. He was going to be nailed to a cross and he was going to have laid upon him all the filthy sins of all who would ever trust in him. Even so, despite that, Jesus, he promised 
to send the Comforter. His concern was for his despondent disciples, the apostles there. He had a selfless love for them and he has a selfless love for all who belong to him. See how the Lord spoke not of what was expedient for him, but for them. How often do any of us um, think beyond ourselves to others? And we do do that, don't we? We do do things for other people, but I would say that even then, somewhere in the, in the midst of it all, if you, if you dig deep enough, you'll see self. Even when we do things for other people, you've got to ask yourself, why are we doing this? Because we want to. And that's really what characterises sin. It's selfishness. Jesus, he did that which was expedient for others. And Jesus would not just send a little memento or keepsake for his disciples to remember him by. Rather, he would send God, the Holy Spirit, whom he called the Comforter. And the Greek word that has been translated comforter can also mean advocate. An advocate is someone who is called to help and to intercede on behalf of another. We have an an intercessor in heaven, Jesus, seated at the right hand of the throne of God, where he ever lives to make intercession for his redeemed. And that is what he does as the heavenly high priest. But also within the world, indeed within each one of the Lord's redeemed, is the Holy Spirit who is the comforter, the advocate, the intercessor. And he too intercedes for us. The Holy Spirit really is a great comfort and strength to all who belong to Jesus in that, what? He focuses their thoughts upon Jesus. That's what he does, first and foremost. The Holy Spirit, the Comforter, he comforts you as a Christian by focusing your thoughts away from yourself and not even on the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit focuses your thoughts on Jesus, your Saviour. And that is how you get to be comforted, greatly comforted, or at least you ought to be. In times of sorrow and in times of distress, the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, he fixes your thoughts upon Christ. And where Jesus is, and he lifts your spirits by witnessing with your spirit that one day you will be with Jesus where he is. That's real comfort. In Philippians chapter 4 and verse 4, the Apostle Paul said, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Always. That really, uh, we can't ignore that word always. You're to rejoice, Christian. Even when you are going through terrible trials and deep sorrow, you are to rejoice always. It's a a rejoicing in your spirit as someone who belongs to Jesus. And how can you, how can you rejoice in the Lord always? Because the Apostle Paul wouldn't have said that unless it was possible. 
You can do it because you have the comforter within you, indwelling you. That's how it is that the Apostle Paul was able to say, rejoice in the Lord always. He was speaking about the Lord Jesus Christ, rejoicing in him. And the Holy Spirit will enable you to do that. I would I would venture to say that if it were not for the enabling grace of the indwelling comforter, the Holy Spirit, keeping Christians focused on their Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ, even and especially to, during times of uh, trial and sorrow, then no one, not one single Christian in this world would comply with that um, instruction of the Apostle Paul to rejoice in the Lord always. None of us would if it was not for the enabling of the Comforter. I don't know about you, but I take great comfort from knowing that I am forever saved from my sin. I hear an amen there. From knowing and constantly being reminded and reassured by the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, that I have been reconciled to God by the blood of Jesus. And whatever happens in this sick and sinful world, whatever I do for good or even for evil, whatever happens to me, nothing can separate me from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus my Lord. I am taught and persuaded by the Comforter that Jesus has gone to prepare a place for me in heaven where he is. I read this in the Bible, I believe it because the Holy Spirit, he applies that truth to my heart and I rejoice in that glorious truth. You probably know that some important documents are sealed with wax. I was a presiding officer at, a, at a, an election in London some years ago and it was a terrible time of such responsibility. I really didn't ask for it at all. I was approached by the local authority. I wasn't even a clerk in, a, in, the, in one of the polling centres. I was the presiding officer. That's not a boast. I mean, it's not something I would want to do ever, ever again. Um, but one of my duties was to seal the boxes. or I can't even remember now, boxes or box. But anyway, I had to put the seal on the thing after counting, after the counting was finished. Not the counting, after the election was finished. I had to seal the box or boxes and then they were taken away to the counting centre. But that seal was so important. And uh, you probably know something about it. Um, The seal bears a stamp of authority, perhaps even a royal insignia. Well, the Bible speaks of the Holy Spirit as being a seal in each and every person whose saviour is Jesus. I'm going to turn to Ephesians chapter 1 here. Really amazing stuff this. If you don't turn to it, then at least listen very carefully. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 and 14. In whom 
ye also trusted after that ye heard the word of the truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. Let's let's unpack this very briefly. The purchased possession spoken of there is the church, since everyone who belongs to Jesus has been purchased, not with silver and gold, but with his own precious blood. So the purchased possession is the church. And if you are a born-again Christian, those verses are saying that you are sealed not by the Holy Spirit, you are sealed with the Holy Spirit. Do you get that? Sealed with the Holy Spirit. I think it would be amazing if you were sealed by the Holy Spirit, but to be sealed with him, with the Holy Spirit. He is the divine seal. He's not just the stamp on the seal. He is the seal. He is the guarantee of the imperishable inheritance that is yours, dear Christian. I like how one of the commentators put it. God's bestowal of his spirit is the church's irrevocable pledge, her divine engagement ring, giving her firm assurance that she is immutably betrothed to Christ. What greater comfort can there be than to have God the Holy Spirit as your seal and your guarantee of your everlasting redemption? Amazing stuff. Jesus also spoke about sending the Comforter in John chapter 14. We would have dealt with this uh, whenever it was, probably a few months ago now. I've forgotten it and I'm, I'm guessing that most other people have forgotten it now. John 14 verse 26, where it says, or where Jesus said, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things. And bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. So the Holy Spirit, who is our advocate, our comforter, he is also our teacher, according to John chapter 14. Let's bear in mind that when Jesus was in the world, he taught his disciples and he taught with power. What he said was inerrant, infallible, timeless, Divine words coming from the divine saviour. Now that Jesus has returned to heavenly glory, the Holy Spirit teaches the same divine truth. Do you get that? He teaches the same divine truth as Jesus taught and indeed the disciples of Jesus taught, the apostles. The, um, the, the comforter, the Holy Spirit teaches these truths. And he brings to remembrance whatsoever Jesus has already said. As such, there is no new revelation. You you don't get any new revelation in this church, do you? You're in the wrong church if you want new revelation. There is no new light. Everything that you and I need to know is sealed up in the pages of the Bible. We don't need people coming here prophesying to us and claiming that they have received some new light or some new revelation. 
But what you do need is to be taught of God the Holy Spirit. When you read the Bible, you need to be taught of the Holy Spirit. And also when you listen to faithful preachers and Bible expositors, you need the Holy Spirit to apply the truth to your heart, your minds and your lives. So that you're not just hearers of the word, but you're doers of the word as well. Waste of time coming in here, hearing a sermon, going away and without actually putting it into practice. A waste of time. The Holy Spirit is a strengthener. We have seen that God the Holy Ghost comforts sorrowful and dispirited Christians and we've also seen that he teaches and he brings to remembrance the word of God, the Bible. Furthermore, the Holy Spirit gives Christians the strength and the boldness that they need in order to enable them to undergo trials, persecutions and yes, to even die rejoicing in their saviour. Again, the Apostle Paul said, rejoice in the Lord always. That must surely include death as well. In your deathbed, you rejoice in Christ Jesus and the Holy Spirit will enable you to do so. No one's asking you to do that in your own strength or to pretend to be rejoicing. It's a reality for those who belong to Christ. Or at least it ought to be. Last of all, the Holy Spirit convicts the world of sin. So far we've considered God the Holy Spirit whom Jesus sent into the world in relation to those who belong to Jesus. Having repented, having trusted in Jesus for the forgiveness of their sins. A Holy Spirit indwelling, indwelling them as a comforter, an advocate, a teacher and one who strengthens them. But that was not always the case with such people. It was not always the case with you, dear Christian, was it? You haven't always had the Holy Spirit. There was a time when you were without the Holy Spirit. In my case, it was 25 years ago. Up until 25 years ago, I knew nothing of the Holy Spirit and being indwelt by the Holy Spirit. But now, I have the Holy Spirit. Wherever I am, the Holy Spirit is with me as my seal. Same applies to all of you here who belong to Jesus. Remember that the Holy Spirit is your seal. He indwells you as your comforter. And your guarantee of the inheritance, the heavenly inheritance, that is yours. But, I'm guessing that like me, you still sin. Even though things are different now. You hate and you abhor the sin. Maybe not so much at the time, but certainly afterwards you hate yourself not just the sin, you hate yourself. Wretched man that I am, you may say to yourself. Wretched woman that I am. I've done this thing again. How can I? What's the matter with me? Jesus, he died on the cross, bearing away my sins. And still, 
I do the things I shouldn't do. Or I don't do the things that I ought to do. But you thank God. And then, and then you re- you're still rejoicing because you thank God for giving you the victory in Christ Jesus. And this is down to the Holy Spirit again. The Holy Spirit indwelling you. But you have that brokenness, don't you? When you sin against God, do you? Christian? You have that brokenness, that contrition that you never would have thought possible before. You, it's something that you didn't know about before you became a Christian. And when you became a Christian, sure, there was repentance of sorts. We don't all beat our chest when we become Christians. Varying degrees of repentance when we become Christians, isn't there? But that contrition, it seems to be greater and greater as the years pass by. And my contrition now, for the past 25 years, is more so than it ever was. Not less. This, again, is the work of the Holy Spirit. It draws you closer to Christ. It wouldn't be very good, would it, if as a Christian you sinned, you did the things you shouldn't do and so on. You didn't give it a thought. Thank God that the Holy Spirit brings you to that place of repentance again and again and again. You don't thank God that you you keep sinning against him, obviously. But you thank God for the repentance. Think of it as a gift from God. Repentance. As your faith is a gift from God, so too is that repentance. And it is that, it's the Holy Spirit who works that repentance in the redeemed of the Lord. I hope that is the case with you. All of you who profess faith in Jesus. And that for you, repentance isn't something that you, uh, happened whenever it was when you became a Christian. 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. It ought to be a reality now, tomorrow, even in your deathbed. Thank God for the Holy Spirit who works that repentance in you. Maybe you are someone who is still separated from God by your sins. Maybe you're sitting there, you couldn't care less. And you're thinking, I wish I'd shut up so I can have my cup of tea. But just maybe you are someone who has recognised that you have sinned against a holy God. You've recognised your wretchedness. And that you deserve to go to hell. Because heaven is a place where God is. And he is a holy God. A righteous God. And maybe then that the Holy Spirit is working in your heart even now, dear sinner. Repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ if that is you. If you haven't already done so and you feel the weight of sin in your heart. Sin against God. 
Repent. You will be saved from your sins. And you will know and experience the comfort of God, the Holy Spirit, whom Jesus has sent into the world. Amen.